to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen, here with Louis D'Souza. Today is Monday, February the 10th, 2020. It's 4 p.m. New York time, and wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy, and I'm happy to be connected at all. Today, uh, I've been basically using this computer to death, Louis, and I almost killed it. But fortunately, it's alive, it's well, and, uh, you know, we're, we're connected, so that's the main thing. I see you've got a beautiful picture of a bridge behind you, so it looks like your uh, green screenless green screen is working nicely. Yeah, it's, um, it's slowly getting better as they, as they improve it. They seem to be going leaps and bounds at the moment, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm quite happy with it. Very cool, yeah. This is uh, completely obliterates my chair at the moment, which is <laughs> well, that's not such a bad thing, actually. <laughs> Kind of makes it look like you're standing right there, you know, on the edge of the cliff with the water behind you. So yeah, surf <laughs> up, dude. It does give a new meaning to the word surfing. I will have to say, since you're on a computer, you know, so you know, new way to surf. But, I'm uh, surfing the web, surfing the waves. You certainly are surfing the LOA. Surfing the LOA, that's probably a good uh, term for today because I, I, I've been uh, surfing the programming waves and, and basically wiping out every three seconds. So it's been a, a challenging day from an LOA perspective of trying to stay in that positive, happy place. Um, I mean, there's nothing really like kind of running into obstacle after obstacle to, first of all, remind you you're going in the wrong direction. And second of all, to remind you, you know, don't take any of this stuff seriously. Because, I mean, when when you're constantly getting it in your face, you know, yeah. you can't really ignore it. It's just kind of there. <laughs> you, you've got to kind of like pack it up, put it in a basket, and then think about open up a new basket that's got some nice goodies in it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And actually, that's what I was kind of doing today. I was kind of like, uh, you know, casting around. Okay, well, this box isn't working. Where's the next box? Okay, here's another box. No, that one doesn't do it either. <laughs> Sometimes you just get tried, you know. It's just, uh, just see how much. Yeah. You can... I was telling you earlier, we ha- we're having um, new radiators, and we've got a couple of really nice guys um, installing them. And, you know, they had a challenge, but everybody was happy, and they got over it. And then they had another challenge, and they, everybody was still <laughs> fairly happy, so we got over it. And, you know, as they uh, remove a radiator, um, we paint behind it and fill uh-huh. the holes and and do all that, because, you know, it's like a <laughs> once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> event that the radiator's off the wall. Yeah, no kidding, right. That's probably <laughs> the last you'll see of that paint for the next 20 years. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But in my mind, it is nice and clean. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that matters. And that's what counts. <laughs> it does count. It makes a big Especially difference. Especially in the LOA world, you start really realizing that's what counts. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing how the little things make all the difference. I mean, it's so easy to just skate right over them and you know, say, okay. And I was saying to me, you don't have to plug stuff. the holes. Nobody's going to see them. I said, my mind will. <laughs> I'll know those holes are there. I know. I'll be sitting there it like. It takes me yeah. two seconds to plug them, sand them, and then paint it. It's like not an issue. We, we don't want you standing there saying, I know those holes are there. I just know it. <laughs> because because of the um, radiator installers, of course, will not do any titivating. No, no, that no. That is not their job. So. No. <laughs> well, it's kind of ironic because, like I said, I was working on programming stuff, and I'm running into the same thing in the programming world. Mm. Because it, in, in the you know this, in the programming world, everything is very compartmentalized. 
And if you talk to somebody in compartment A and you want to get to compartment B, they won't even give you that information. You know, like, hey, that has nothing to do with compartment A. It's not my job. (laughs) So you're basically left to figure out, okay, well, how do I get to compartment B when compartment A doesn't seem to have any doors? (laughs) Well, I've been very, very impressed with Microsoft support because even though you're dealing with many different devices, they're happy to go that extra mile and make sure that those other devices are working. Oh, well, that's good. And that is very impressive. Yeah, yeah that, any, that's a rarity. For any software company support. To Absolutely, especially for a big four. I mean, the big four, first of all, aren't really known for doing a lot of customer support anyway. So you know, I don't know. Microsoft's probably... always had a fairly good rapport. Not bad. I mean, yeah. as these things go, certainly by comparison to the other three. Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> these things are relative. Hmm. <laughs> And I mean, but, they phone uh, you back. They phone you back on time. Um, I've been really impressed with Microsoft support. I must admit, I've had quite a few Teams issues, and they've managed to sort them all out and explain that it's it's quite it's quite an involved piece of software to to do your podcasting and stuff like that. And, mm, you're really liking this Microsoft Teams too. I hadn't really heard much about it till you told me. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure I'm liking it for. The reason, you know, as as a Zoom replacement, yeah, it's, it's oh, challenging. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not bad if you get the guys on and you get them on beforehand, you get them to install it. Then you know they don't have to do anything, which is load Teams and go in. So it's really, really mm-hmm. easy. But to get them to get that first hurdle, it's the same as Zoom. You know, get somebody to download Zoom and, and click on the button that says join. You know, it's a bit <laughs> difficult. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's little things that trip us up. That's true. So anyway, I, I don't really have a clear topic in mind for today, but um, I wanted to, first of all, acknowledge um, your sister-in-law, Astrid, who is taking yeah. kind of a leave of absence um, for some indefinite period of time. So I just wanted to acknowledge her and say thank you for all that you've given us, Astrid, and the time that you've been on the show. And uh, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you again when you, come, when you decide to come by. But we just really appreciate it, especially with what she had to teach us about Jinjinjutsu. Yeah, and the, you know, her perspective on on LOA in general really really helpful. So, thank you, Astrid. An amazing individual. She was here this weekend, uh, last weekend, and um, yeah, it's always good to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. Really, really nice. Yeah, and then the other thing uh, that I, for lack of a better idea on a topic, I guess I I was um, figuring. Well, let's go back to some of the of the things that uh, I've been talking about toward the end of last week with a couple of co-hosts about just stuff going on with um, Louise and I, with what we're trying to do, because we, uh, I don't think I told you this, but um, when we got back from our Florida vacation, as so often happens when you do a getaway like that, when you come back, all of a sudden you're snapped back into your old mode and all of that wonderful, good feeling stuff that you were doing while you were away just got replaced with all the stuff that you were leaving behind in the first place which was the reason why you got away in the first place. And now all of a sudden it's just it's right back in your face. And we, we were really noticing that in a big, big way. Um, it was, I mean, in good, there were some good things about it, but there were also some things that were not so good that we didn't really like too much. And within the, the first day back, we both kind of sat down together. We didn't even have to like call a meeting or anything. It's like we both sat down and said, okay, we're not doing this. <laughs> we're, we're going to shift this whole thing. And it's really become... Oh, geez, it's become like a, a combined effort to do whatever we can to keep 
changing up our environment and our perspective and what we're thinking about and what we're focusing our attention on just so that this environment that we're in doesn't evoke the same experience that it was evoking all along. And it's amazing when, you, when you're away. I mean, it's almost like you're building from scratch. You know, when you're away, you, none of it is really familiar. So you can just kind of invent as you're going and, you know, it's all great. It's all exciting. It's all fun. But when you're dealing with something that you've already had a lot of experience with and you're trying to change that, that that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you really find out how good you are at focusing um, how good you are at things like meditating, at staying calm, at finding that uh, relief and release, yeah, the relief. And, oh my goodness, it really, really shows you. So, I, I guess I, I don't know how to title that topic, but that's the topic. Just you know, getting back to the old environment and then trying to shake it up a little bit. Well, a couple of things come to me. So, number one is the plumber that was here doing the radiators today. I said to him, how long have you been doing your job? And he says, like, oh, about 30 years or something. I said, do you, do you love it? And he said, mm. yeah, absolutely love it. So I said, ah. so you're one of those guys who, who doesn't actually go to work because you're just <laughs> so much enjoying what you're doing. It's not work. He says, that's it. That's me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, this guy, when he goes on holiday, he probably feels worse, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably true, yes. <laughs> So, or put it another way, when he goes on holiday, he can't tell the difference. Yeah. No, that's me. I, I really can't tell the difference between holiday, <laughs> on the plane, in the car. You know, all of them mean the <laughs> same to me. They're very, very, very uh, similar to me. And uh, th- there's disadvantages to that because you're not, you're not feeling those highs and lows so much. And, and sometimes they're really nice. Um, but, you know, I get them. I get them. But they're smaller. They're smaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And everybody's different. There are quite a few people like me, and there's quite a few people who are, um, you know, I was speaking to a lady the other day. Uh, it was quite fascinating because she said to me, um, you know, I have these really lows and really highs and all the rest of it. And I said, first, first of all, first thing I wanted to tell you is that somebody who has those really highs and really lows are sensitive people. And sensitive people have a strong connection to source. And she said, you know what? That's the loveliest thing anybody has ever said to me. Because she really understands source. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, ah, you know, you know, I just, Abraham Hicks's teachings puts the piece, small pieces of the puzzle in for people that really help them, really, Mm. really help them. I'm so excited about going to, to um, see them in Amsterdam in a couple of months time or so. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, you, you said you were going, but I couldn't remember when. So when you said a couple of months, ah, okay. It's, so. it's, it's May, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Halfway through May, great. I think. Mm. Interesting thing. I, I've only been to one of their workshops and I was just, I, I, I guess I expected something different, but what I saw in the workshop was exactly what I've seen in the videos. And yeah. it's like, well, it's like, it's like no different. The, the environment is a little <laughs> different. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to me, it'll be fun speaking to the people, um, you know, listening to those YouTube videos, I can pretty much guess um, exactly what they're going to say to each one of them and, and their different <laughs> yeah, predicaments. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm just hoping that, you know, it's possible that I can go sit in the hot seat because that would be fantastic for me. Sure. <laughs> so, um, you Do know, you have a question that, in mind? 
Oh, I have loads. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you, you know, what I would say to Abram is something like this, you know, um, I'm so grateful for everything that you've done for me because, you know, I've been a seeker from the age of eight consciously and, you know, I've been through many, many different paths and spiritual outlooks and there's nothing that's been as simple and as clear as what I've learned from you guys. And you've pretty much answered every single question in the physical. Well, thank you very much for coming to us. (laughs) (laughs) The only questions I really have are to do with the (laughs) non-physical. And, uh, you know, there's many things I'd like to know. Um, Because they say that, you know, and that's something we brought up before, that the purpose for being is to play with the contrast so you can expand source as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to know what Louis and his source component together in this lifetime has done specifically to expand source. Oh, well, I mean, you talk about how Abraham, you can kind of imagine what Abraham's going to say. I, I don't know exactly what they'll say, but the first thought that comes to my mind is they'll say, well, everything, everything that you've done, it's all been a, a contributing factor toward the general expansion, because literally, uh, I, I would say to them, moment, you know, that doesn't really feel clear to me. Can you, <laughs> can can you um, elaborate a little bit more? <laughs> Every thought that you have is a creative entity if you hold on to it. But for when a, I look at my thoughts, month. Abram, I, I get the feeling that I'm just regurgitating a lot of other people's stuff. I'm regurg- <laughs> I'm teaching, I'm teaching your stuff all the time. What is new? What is new? What have I done that is new? <laughs> <laughs> so those, I, those are the kind of conversations. And then I'll say something like, uh, there's about 200 of you non-physical entities um, speaking through Esther. How do you not have some conflict when you talk? <laughs> you know? I wonder about that too. <laughs> um, how, how does it all work? You know, I really want to understand the non-physical part of myself. It's right. It's really. I, I kind of imagine this non-physical microphone with a line of entities behind it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really difficult to comprehend that, and I think that's why they avoid it endlessly. Is because probably your, your contrasting mind is just not sufficient to grasp the entirety of of, of the non-physical. So yeah. Well, if we're to believe what some psychic mediums and psychics will tell us, if uh, we're in a in a room like that with a group of people, large or small, there's also a group of guides and, you know, spiritual support entities, non, non-physical entities there to the point where the room can get really, really, really crowded. So I just kind of imagine it isn't so much a line. It's just more like this, this like football huddle. <laughs> it's like, you know, a scrum <laughs> where you have all I, these. I, I don't see that at all. I don't see that at all. I see the perspective of the non-physical being in no, not in mest, which is matter, energy, space, and time. Therefore, there can be no crowding. But what there is, I don't know, because it's not matter, energy, space, or time. So what is it? <laughs> well, I think it is energy. That that part, I think, is actually a, a big You think it's energy? It. Yeah, I think energy is a and part of it. And how do you I, define energy? Source energy. I mean, energy. Which is? 
Well, as, as far as I can go with that is, is the way I would describe it physically. I can't describe it non-physically. Exactly. Exactly. But I can't imagine that it's tremendously different. I mean, it's going to be different in the sense that it's not physical. But to me, I mean, when I think about physical versus energy, I think about subatomic particles. I mean, when, when a, a quantum physicist looks at a subatomic particle through whatever means that they're using to look at it, what they see is a whole bunch of empty space. And then if they take a measurement, they can identify where an electron is in that measurement. And that's about it. And the rest of the time, it's just all empty space. So that empty space, as I understand it, is energy. And that's that's the way I conceive of source energies. It's, it's this energy that just fills everything. Um, I also conceive of matter as being compressed energy, really, really highly compressed energy. And if that's the case, then the physical world is part of the non-physical world because the non-physical world in this theory is pure energy. So the physical world is just little compressed bits in this field of non-physical. Yeah. So, so really it's all the same way that I look at it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But there's aspects to this whole non-physical part of Louis and Louis and the co-creation between the two that I'm still missing bits and pieces of that puzzle. I still want to dig into it a little bit more and more and more with Abram. See, but they've, they've been very unwilling many a time, times I've listened to them to, to go into much clarity on all that. So I don't know. I don't know how far I'll get with that. Have you read any of the, the, the stuff about Seth? Because Seth, of course, was the, the, yeah, the, the non-physical entity precursor, right, to uh, to Abraham. And the writings of Seth, well, first of all, blow your mind. And second of all, you'll spend a lot of time figuring out what the heck did they just say. And and what you get, what I get from it anyway, is I get a sense of of tremendous levels of like la- layers of onion, you know, that kind of thing. Just huge mm. numbers of layers, gigantic numbers of layers, you know, measured in, you know, super godzillions. <laughs> <laughs> and when you have a, uh, when you have that side of us, that non-physical side of us, that source energy side of us being described that way, well, yeah. I mean, if I were Abraham, I'd try to avoid answering that question too, because how on earth do you break that down into something simple? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it's the kind of question I've just asked you. What is actually is energy? So you've got source energy or source power or source force or source something, um, and that's where all our power that we created the entire universe and our universe from. And, uh, you know, it's just... It's just fascinating to me because there's bits and pieces of that I just don't get. And that's great because they've cleared up almost every other mystery for me. At least there's something that I'm still, mm. <laughs> that I'm still trying to understand, you know. Sure. They, they've answered what is ghosts. They've, under, they've explained what are aliens. they explained why you can fly like Superman and why you don't. Um, you know, they've pretty much explained. They've explained religion, philosophy, um, politics. They've explained everything <laughs> you know there's there's pretty much nothing that is not um you know they explain to you how you can get what you want how you can be happier they explain to you how you can get more love in your life they've explained pretty much everything how you can get the perfect partner they've they've pretty much covered all the bases so the the only thing that i feel that's really left is you know to understand 
little bit more about the relationship between source, because they mentioned once, and I've mentioned this to you once before, that they said in one of their dialogues that the inner sound is a greater um, guidance system than your emotions. Hmm. Okay. The inner and sound I know when I meditate, guidance. I get different sounds coming in, into my head, etc. Um, and the religion that I was part of um, was talking a lot about the two ways that source speaks to you. And one is through light and the other one is through sound, the inner light and the inner sound. Mm-hmm. So, I've, you know, for example, Christ, um, the disciples, when Christ rose from the dead and walked into the room, some of them had, well, they all had flames on top of their heads and they heard the sound of wind. And then Saul on the way to Damascus was blinded and thrown off his horse by a light that wasn't physical. Um, Moses in the burning bush that wasn't burning, which was another light. Um, so spiritual scriptures, and I'm just using Christianity because a lot of people know Christianity. You're probably watching sure. it. Um, and, you know, every religion I've ever looked at has got some form of these inner experiences of either light or sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I'd be curious to follow that up with Abram as well. So, you know, those are a few of the things. As you were talking there, I was reflecting on a video Louise and I watched over the weekend. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, but uh, he has been doing he, – he's a chiropractor who, uh, when he was in his 20s, uh, and had just established his practice. He was in a triathlon race, and during the race, one of the guides who was guiding him on where to go on the course accidentally guided him out into the middle of traffic, and he got hit by a car and was basically devastated. Uh, the, the doctor said he would never walk again and all that kind of stuff, and he ends up healing himself with his mind mm-hmm. and becomes a, a profound student of you know the, the whole mind-body connection and how you can actually heal yourself that, that way. He wrote a, a number of books, including one called you are the placebo in which he teaches um, the concepts that came out of his research. And, and his research is largely uh, scientifically based rather than philosophically based. Although most of what he actually writes about is more philosophically based, um, which I have a little bit of a problem with just because he's presenting himself as being a scientist. But nevertheless, that's a side issue. Um, the thing that uh, I was thinking about as you were talking there is that during his presentation, he was making references to what happens with his students when he teaches them how to meditate successfully. And he told one story about a woman who is a medical doctor, I believe, who was attending one of his workshops with a team for the purpose that they were actually had, they had uh, medical equipment. They were measuring heart rate and brain scans and all this other kind of stuff. And she wanted to experience what he was teaching um, experientially. So she would know more how to test for what it was he was, he was telling people about. And in the midst of her meditation, she was, she was extremely successful and managed very quickly to get into a gamma state. And her colleagues were flipping out because they thought she was having a seizure based on the readings that they saw in their instruments. Um, and they, they frantically called Dr. Dispenza over and Dispenza said, no, she's fine. Just let her go. Let her go. Let her go. 
And his point was uh, basically this is something that modern science is still having trouble coming to grip with, coming to terms with. Well, the thing that I was interested in was learning more about what that particular doctor who was experiencing all of this, what her subjective experience was, and also what conclusions she came away from it with. And, and he didn't actually share that part of the story. So when you're talking about how you want to be able to ask Abraham you know, this stuff about what's it like from the non-physical and, and what are some of these uh, concepts, how do they actually play out, what exactly is source energy, how, how does that actually differ from what we would call physical energy, yada, yada, yada. I'm thinking similar questions about, well, what did this woman experience? What was, what's her conclusion? What's her perspective on all this, on, on what happened? Because she had a, a very profound experience. Um, and it also makes me wonder something that I wanted to ask you about, because you've had a lot of success with meditation, a lot more than I've had. Um, meditation has had some benefit for me, but from the stories you've told, you've had some really profound benefits from it. So I'm wondering, first of all, um, have you experienced the kind of thing he's talked about where it becomes almost a state of elation, like uh, like God is entering your body or something along that line? Um, have you experienced that through meditation specifically, or um, has it been more along the lines of meditation has allowed you to live your life more in a positive realm, and, and, and that's where the benefit of meditation is coming in? In other words, has it been a real specific experience where, boom, everything just exploded in your mind through meditation? So every time I've had one of these successful stories that you talk about mm -hmm. is when I gave up meditating. When you almost, gave up meditating. <laughs> yeah. Almost bar none. Okay. Because when, when, when you understand that, you understand what meditation really is. It's relief and release. And when you give up, you're releasing and relief. You're getting relief. No, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So trying to meditate is absolutely impossible. It'll never work. <laughs> that's an interesting concept. And people have really got to get that. You know, you've got to get that. If you don't get it, you can, I remember this guy, um, lovely guy, very spiritual. Um, and he meditated for five hours every day. Whoa. And he was slowly getting more angry and frustrated by the, the year. <laughs> um, <clears throat> until he gave it up and then he became a much happier, nicer person. <laughs> for the persistence of nothing else, you know. <laughs> but for many, many years he did this. Um, it, he was part of the Satsangi Sai Baba group, um, which is a spiritual path with a living master in India, um, who also teach the light and sound. So that was why I understood that path quite well, is because I, I looked at any path of that would be teaching the inner light and the inner sound. They were extremely important to whatever I followed, wherever I went, mm. <clears throat> because I, I perceived in some level some great truth in it. And yes, I have definitely experienced many light and sound experiences, which are what I would call source experiences in my new language, <clears throat> my LOA language. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's quite, quite beautiful, that kind of experience. Um, and they are wow, and they are um, not always filled with great feelings of love and joy. No. Um, even in the, well, 
one of the first things I wanted to point out about these kind of experiences when I've very consciously done them, I've been very consciously aware of a raising of vibrational feeling. It's like my whole body is vibrating at a significantly higher vibrational level. All right. Okay. Yeah. So you've got this raised feeling, um, and that's quite specifically when I've left my body as well. Um, it's much easier. You don't feel the, in, the vibrational contrast that it's gone up to once you've left your body and you're now in the body of the higher vibrational entity, whatever it is, okay? And you don't even have to look at it as leaving your body because you're not really going anywhere. <clears throat> You could say your mind is moving from one vibrational thought pattern to a higher vibrational thought pattern and is creating a scenario which is based on what you believe you're going to see usually. <laughs> <laughs> it's much easier in the higher vibrational state to manifest anything. Like you can have a cup of coffee, you can drink it, and then the cup vanishes in your hand. Mm -hmm. So... You can manifest quickly and the manifestations vanish quickly. Now, this is what people don't understand about the huge advantage of the physical humans. When you manifest a house, it's not so easy for it to poof, vanish. Ah, yes. Okay, so that's a huge advantage where on the inner planes, they come and they go very... So it's a very Why different... Why do they go, world. though? I mean, because, I mean, if you're focusing on, on what you want... You uh, you would, uh, at least in the, in the human form, we would think, well, if once I've got it, it's going to be there. It's not going to go away. Well, it, you, you start realizing that when you're in the higher vibrational areas, everything happens at a different, I want to use the word speed, but it kind of isn't speed. So things come and things go quicker. Um, for me, um, those are my experiences. And, you know, you start realizing that that's one of the reasons why you choose the physical universe because you can manifest things that stay around for a while mm. <laughs> and you can play with them for a while. Um, right. And you start having a lot of appreciation for that. And you start having appreciation when you have these kind of experiences for the other side. You start appreciating that, you know, you're, you're coming from this non-physical source energy and you're tapping into it and you're bringing it all the way down into this gross physical. Um, so you're learning to play with it on different levels. So as you go from, this is the um, levels that I was taught. You go from astral to causal, causal to um, to uh, causal to etheric, then mental, then soul. So you, you can go out at different levels, and even within those levels, there are levels. So you've got a whole vibrational scale on the astral, and you've got a whole vibrational scale on the etheric, and you've got a whole vibrational scale on the mental. Um, so when you're meditating and you tap into the mental, which a lot of people do, um, then you're tapping into a place where the mind gets satisfied and thoughts and ideas come to you and it feels very mentally gratifying. And I have experienced those quite a lot. Um, and it's also because, you know, our mental focus is very important to me. So you, you, it all boils down to when I think about it now, 
what's the use of all these experiences that I've had? What's the value in them? For me, as a physical being, having the non-physical with me, having these non-physical experiences. So what you start realizing is that you're tapping into your higher self and you're experiencing it. So you're taking that higher vibration and bringing it back here and then you're raising your vibration here a bit. Then you're tapping in there. Then you're coming in here. Then you're tapping in there. My hands are coming and going on there. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the background, background. of the screen is really going bonkers. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I can't use my hands to de- depict it that well. <coughs> Bless you. My goodness. Mm. I couldn't get to the mute in time. I was sneezing. <laughs> That's all right. No problem. I know how that feels. <laughs> Um, there's, uh, since the radio doesn't come off the walls, a lot of dust in the house. <laughs> ah, yes. Oh, dear. So. Now, Dr. Spenza also talks about getting into that place that you've been describing because in his theory, that's where people are able to heal themselves of dread diseases. And that's what his whole purpose is to help them, um, get healthier. Is that something that you found also be, to be true or do you agree or disagree or think he's on the wrong track? Well, when what? you do Jinshin, for example, you relief and release, relief and release gives you the higher vibration. When you have the higher vibration, you're tapping into source energy better and it flows into your body and can heal different areas. I completely agree with all that. Okay. <clears throat> um, and there's different methods of doing it. You can do it through meditation, which I've avoided that word for many years and I replaced it with contemplation. I prefer oh, really? contemplation by far. It seems much lighter and easier. Is there a difference in the technique, for lack of a better term? Well, before Abram Hicks, I never understood what meditation was. Okay. So Abram Hicks says, you're like a cork that is pushed under the water and you've got these problems and all the rest of it, but you've got this force pushing down this cork. And all you have to do is take away that force that's pushing down the cork and the cork of its own volition will rise to the surface. And the way you get that cork with meditation to rise to the surface is by not thinking. If you pause your thinking then there's no resistance and the cork of its own volition will start rising to the surface simply because you're not thinking of anything. And that was of the first time I understood what meditation really was. Meditation is slowing down the thinking so that the cork can rise so that you can get to that harmonious place where source energy can flow through into the physical quickly and easily. So is it slowing down the thinking or is it stopping the thinking? In the beginning, it's slowing down. And when you get proficient, it is stopping for short periods of time. <laughs> How short? Um, Abram keeps on saying that even a second of flatlining of no thinking is of immense value and never underestimate how much value even short periods of time is of um, can can really help. So, and I've come to really understand that and appreciate that. So, the first thing I do with my meditation 
is not think of it as meditation. I know that if I try to do anything like I used to think meditation was, it's going to fail. I tried relief and release, which I use Jinshin Jitsu. Um, I relax the mind and, and ease it and just let it float and roll. I get it into a, you know, when the car's in neutral and it just goes round and round, but it's not moving the car anyway. Right. So I get it. I get my mind to that kind of state where even if I put my foot on the accelerator, it's just going to spin. It's going to mm-hmm. go absolutely nowhere. And I find bubbling water is incredibly useful for that. <laughs> We're even visualizing bubbling water. Okay. Um, it just stills the mind. And I, I, I literally, I can't think if I'm, if I'm staring over a pot on the stove, my mind just goes loopy. It just, it just spins. Wow. And I, I just, you know, sometimes I like, Oh my God, I've been standing here for 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, and this has gone by in a flash. So, so your mind doesn't actually stop. What's happened is it's kind of disconnected. It's, it's out of gear, so to speak. Um, yeah, I've, I've never been successful in trying to stop the mind, and I've given up the idea of even trying. <clears throat> it's never been something that I've tried to do. Well, well, to me, it, it also seems like an impossible thing to measure because once the mind stops, how can you detect it? Exactly. How, how do you how do you quantify it after that? You know, it's practically impossible. So it, it is, in my mind, it's kind of like a suspended animation. It's kind of like a no place. Mm. Um, and to define it is of zero value because... To define it, you use your mind. You use thoughts. And that just, it's not where you want to be. You want to be no thoughts, not thoughts. So <laughs> the whole thing falls apart. So, you know, um, it, it's the problem all masters have had. It's like, how do I teach somebody not to, not to think or not to do anything anymore? The, the way one master put it, and I really liked it, he said, be still and do something. <laughs> my mind just boggled <laughs> no <laughs> exactly <laughs> and when you understand that's what the Buddhists used to do with their koans they used to say um, you know give you impossible riddles to try and solve because they're impossible that is why they're of a value because the mind can't answer the question <laughs> So I'm reminded of a scene from the original Star Trek series. Oh, yes. In which Spock and Kirk are on some planet where there's a computer that's basically got them uh, trapped. And uh, Spock basically disables the computer by feeding it a problem. And the the problem that he feeds to the computer is um, you will, will, um, what's, what's the exact order? You will uh, believe everything that I say. I am lying. (laughs) (laughs) Does not compute. (laughs) I I was just looking up the other day. (laughs) I was just looking up the other day. um, Richard Bach's uh, first wife, um, Leslie Parrish, was in... Was an act, was one of the actors in that she first was. Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah and that goes back quite a few years. But I always loved that episode, because, partly because the computer flips out, <laughs> <laughs> partly because Spock, with his usual flair, raises his eyebrow and says, "Fascinating." <laughs> mm. uh, that kind of questioning always brings me back to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh yes, you know, what's the answer to life, the universe, and everything? 
and after about 40,000 years, the, the computer's ready to give the answer, and they have this huge meeting where all the planets get together, all the people are there, <laughs> and he says, do you, ha- do you have the answer to life, the universe, and everything? He says, yes. Yes. He says, um, but you won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the answer? I don't want to give it to you because you won't like it. <laughs> What's the answer? We must have the answer. It's 42. <laughs> <laughs> so the big problem is you asked the wrong question. Yes. You need to build a bigger, better computer than me to ask the correct, <laughs> correct question. Correct question. <laughs> And that's why we build Earth and humans. <laughs> We're nice the machine. Know, nice to know the Earth actually had a real purpose like that, you know, before it was uh, mistakenly destroyed to make room for a hyperspace bypass. Which didn't actually happen. <laughs> Which didn't actually happen. <laughs> the whole thing is so confusing. Yeah, I'll never forget driving down to Cape Town, reading The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with my parents and uh, sitting in the back there. I was absolutely hosing myself. I was on the floor <laughs> with laughter. And they said to me, what's so funny this time? The Vogan construction fleet hung in there like a brick wouldn't. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me but now? I just put a banglefish in my ear. I understand every language in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the best rubbish I've ever read. Absolutely. So, so I have to ask you a question now because there's a connection here. I don't know if you noticed it, but there's a connection to what we were talking about before. Before yeah. we were talking about asking impossible questions in order to basically get into that no thoughts space. So question is, when you were reading The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, did you get into the no thought space? No, I, I suppose I did because I was laughing so much and I got a lot of relief and release. And, you know, you know, I was a very serious person and I believed that life and understanding it was a very, very, very important to me. And here was somebody making light of it all. Oh, yeah. In a big way. <laughs> In such a great way that I just absolutely saw exactly what he was saying. You know, I was like, <laughs> it was just so cool for me. That was the best book I probably ever read in that time frame that I was so serious about life. Uh, I mean, I had a beard. I looked like, people said I looked like JC. And <laughs> <laughs> I was in all these spiritual paths and books. And, <laughs> and then you read one book. And, and then I read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and I just laughed myself. So <laughs> <laughs> it's very good to have those kind of things, especially for intense people like me who, you know, really wants to understand a subject and then somebody just breaks it down with so much humor. Um, you know, if I, if I watched a comedian, I wouldn't get it. You know, it wouldn't, it's not appropriate to my subject. Mm. You know, some, some people really get it because they talk about sport and this, but I'm not into any of that. So it was because Douglas Adams was talking specifically to my subject. The idea that the mice are using humans <laughs> by bumping into walls and going, going in here and stopping here in these little things that we put them in. They're controlling us. We're not controlling them. <laughs> the whole idea was just absolutely mind-blowingly beautiful. Well, what you're describing, though, is actually – it actually makes a lot of sense to me, um, in part because it is a way of, like you say, uh, releasing, you know, mm. just letting go. And laughter can be tremendously powerful toward that end. Um, 
I had an experience with that just over the weekend. I mentioned Dr. Dispenza. I mentioned this video that we watched. And I, I was actually going to save this for a little bit later on, a few weeks down the line, because my sister-in-law, Yvonne, and I are talking about having her come back in March. She was one of my, she was actually my first regular co-host back about five, six years ago. And she did the show with me for about a year and then had to go off and do other things, including becoming a doctor. Um, well, she's now got her doctorate and she's going to come back and we're going to talk about Dispenza. So I was going to save all this little story for that, but I'll, I'll use it here because I think it's, it's appropriate to what we're talking about. Um, because we were watching this video and it was a good video. I mean, it had some good stuff in it and so forth. But there was also a side to the presentation. Now, this was like a one and a quarter hour presentation that he gave to an audience at one of his workshops, I imagine. And I'm not sure if the presentation came toward the beginning of the one-day workshop or toward the end. My suspicion is that it came toward the end because, like he does in his books, he was making reference to a lot of the different stuff that his various studies have uh, unearthed and I, I kind of got the feeling he had done the same thing in this workshop. So I suspect it was like a, a closing presentation. But an interesting I had an interesting reaction to it, a visceral reaction. I was getting pissed off, which was not a reaction I expected. And there were a couple of reasons for it. It took me a while to figure out why I was pissed off. The first one was every 30 to 60 seconds, he would say, are you with me? So I make this point, are you with me? I'm making the second point. Are you with me? I make the third point. Are you with me? Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm, I'm like, sinking further, further into the cushions of the couch, like, uh, how can I stop this? This is not pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> what you can and do I'll... is put it on your video editing machine. And... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then listen to it again. <laughs> Interesting idea. I should try that. And I'm looking over at Louise, and she's having exactly the same reaction that I am to, to this thing. And when it was all done, I was really, really pissed off. And I realized the main reason I was pissed off was he was starting to sound like a charismatic preacher. Are you with me? Do you feel the energy? Is God within you? It, it, it was that kind of a feeling. Praise the yeah. sauce. Exactly. Yeah. And, and after, I mean, I, I am so poisoned against all that kind of presentation. So when I hear you somebody even, even teaching it against, you know, a, an LOA background or something similar to that, I just say, oh, please, no, stop. <laughs> so I was not in a good frame of mind is my point. Anyway, I went off to do some research online, as I so often do after we watch something like that, because he had made reference to uh, something called the, um, what's it called, the Heart Mind Institute, I think it is, which is a group of scientifically oriented people, although they're not necessarily research scientists, who have done uh, stuff with uh, physically measuring brain waves and, and heartbeats and all this kind of stuff during meditation and various other things, trying to provide some of the groundwork that Dispenza has included in his work. And I read a, an interesting uh, response, should we call it? from somebody who's in the medical community who had been exposed to dispensers, not to dispenser, to the heart, mind institute stuff. Uh, and it was basically him posting a letter that he was giving to his superiors at the hospital where he worked. And in this letter, he was asked, he was saying that he had been to two of dispensers workshops and would they please not have a third. And he was giving all his reasons why, um, and basically doing a very detailed critique of what they were doing, which was very similar to the kind of thing that dispenser has talked about. Uh, and in this critique, 
he, he he was very fair about it, actually. He said, well, here's the part that's good science. Here's the part that I consider to be bogus. And I could tell he would not have bought into anything that we tend to believe in at all. You know, so he was kind of leaning toward that being the bogus part and so forth. So I, I could understand that. That's fine. And then he finished his article, and there's comments underneath. And in one section of the comments, it started to get brilliant because – he said, you know, you're reading this stuff. Well, actually, his commenter said, as I'm reading your article, I'm thinking, and the next thing that happens is he stands up and says, expecto patronum. <laughs> <laughs> and after I read that, in the context of having just gotten away from watching that video, I just, I fell apart with laughter. It was, it was, it was way over the top funny to me because of the position I'd been in before. I was in that, you know, very rigid, angry, resentful, pissed off position. I read that and it just exploded all of that. It was a huge release. It was just a dynamic release of all that pent up energy. And, and so when you talked earlier about that kind of, of release from that high vibrational state, I'm wondering, is that what it feels like? Does it feel like this, this huge shift from this really uncomfortable place to this really, really comfortable place? Yeah, not necessarily comfortable. Comfortable is probably the and, wrong and, word. And the reason why I say not feel comfortable better. Is, 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 <laughs> is in my experience, the contrast sometimes is very, quite scary. Mm-hmm going from the lower vibration to suddenly vibrating this really high one, you, you can fear, you can feel a fair amount of fear until you become comfortable with it. And that was my experience. And I know a lot of people who have practiced out-of-body experiences have the initial fear of getting out of the body, etc. Mm. And I fully understand that. Um, but once you're there, yes, then, then you experience it. So... <sighs> It's a journey, and a, and a journey, e- even the journey between physical and the more non-physical parts of you <clears throat> have contrast, and you will keep on playing with contrast, no matter where you are, <laughs> in the, all these dimensions, and it's quite fun, um, scary, and different, and, wow, well, yeah, <laughs> It's, well, it's difficult. It's difficult to talk about, and you know, everybody who's had these kind of experiences is the same. It also raises a question for me: if meditation, or as you call it, contemplation, is about stilling the mind, is it on a non-physical plane? Is it about stilling the contrast for a moment? It is. Because source is beyond contrast. So as soon as you still the contrast, you are now tapping into the power that creates world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it makes me wonder, what is it about stopping the whole thing that empowers it? And you may not know the answer to that, but it's just, that's what it comes Well, from Abram's teaching us perspective, it is your resistance that stops anything. And your resistance is not the focusing on what you do want. It's the focusing on what you don't want. So are you saying that slowing and stopping the mind is resisting? So what I'm saying is that stopping the mind is not necessary if you're focused on what you want. What you do, what you're looking to do is to stop the mind on focusing on what it doesn't want. And Abram ah. has said, and the Abram has said that it is easier to teach man to focus on stilling his mind than to focus more continuously on what he wants. 
That's really interesting because I'll tell you, from my perspective, it, the second one seems much easier to me than the first one. Well, once you start breaking it down, you start realizing that focusing on what you want is a part of a contrast. And when you're playing with a part of a contrast, it will bring up the other side at some stage. Hmm. Where not having either contrast can't. And that's what I've kind of perceived. It's another question I'd like a little more clarity on from Abram. Um, another one I may well bring up, but um, <clears throat> it, it's important to kind of understand how that all works with with greater clarity. Such as what? 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 What are? What's the uh, next question? How, yeah, I mean, how how does stilling the mind? Why, why, Abram, why why would you say stilling the mind is easier than that? And I'd like to see if they come up with the same answer that I've just given you. Ah. Because you, you're playing with a card. That's the only logical thing that has come to me that makes sense to me. So I'd, I'd be very curious as to see what they say because they might say something completely different. So I'd be very interested to hear what they say on, on that specific question. Well, I'm not Abraham, but I can tell you what my instant reaction is to it. My instant reaction as to why they might say that is that I believe pretty strongly that the overwhelming majority of the planet is populated by people who prefer focusing their attention on what they don't like. And they demonstrate that by regularly focusing their attention on what they don't like. And in a kind of a strange sense, what we're really saying is they like what they don't like. <laughs> they enjoy the drama. Yep. They enjoy the drama. Exactly. So for somebody who really enjoys liking what you don't like, asking that person to focus on what they like, that's going to be about as far away as you can get. Stilling the line. I can see for somebody like that, stilling the mind is going to be an easier thing. Hmm. Hmm. Now, how would Abraham say that? I don't know, but that's, that's my reaction. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I hadn't really thought of that aspect. No. I will ponder that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, I that's mean, to me, the idea of stilling the mind, truly stilling the mind, I, and now that I, now that you've, you've brought this, this angle into it, it makes me really appreciate what I've felt all along. Stilling the mind includes stilling it for everything. You, you very adroitly said, well, it's actually stilling the mind regarding things that you don't like. I said, yeah, I could do that a whole lot easier. That was my first reaction. Like, oh, God, I could do that one. It's stilling the mind also from the stuff that I like. That's the part that blows my mind. Well, Abram, Abram puts it this way. Once you have stilled the mind, you will have inspired thoughts. Okay, now inspired thoughts are thoughts about what you want and how you can get it from your mm -hmm. vortex. Uh -huh. but they are thoughts and they are thoughts about what you want. Okay. So what Abram is trying to say is that stilling your mind is a way of tapping into that positive aspect of yourself. It's not a goal in itself is to go to Nirvana, which a lot of the religions teach mm -hmm. um, and to stay in this blissful non space at all. No, you came mm -hmm. down here to play with the contrast. Yeah. If you want to know if your mission on earth is complete, if you're alive, it isn't. <clears throat> so 
what happens is you're now getting to play with the contrast in the most delicious way. Ways where you're actually getting so excited. This is, this is amazing, Walt. It's, uh, wow, I just, I can do it. I can do it. You know, I don't know how to do it. I can see the past. I can start seeing it. You know, it just comes very, very exciting. Um, and you get it on different subjects. You start picking that up on different things like, ah, oh, this one, this one. And it's the things you have less resistance on generally, et cetera, et cetera, you know, but. Stilling the mind is not the goal in itself. The goal in itself is keeping it quiet enough so that you can listen to source. And, and that makes a lot more sense to me. If, if, they'd, if, if the guru or whoever it was I was first listening to um, trying to explain meditation to me had explained it that way, I would have gotten it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When I heard Abram say it's like, Wow, you know, meditation. I have first time in my entire life I've understood what it means. <laughs> For me, it would have been, why didn't you say that in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I go to my health club and they've got yoga and all the yoga and tai chi and et cetera. They've all got meditation sessions and all the meditation sessions don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> they go off on this wafty little idea of what they think meditation is. And I was like, can I have a few seconds of your time, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you really get that in those situations and you know, they are the teachers. So it's difficult to teach a teacher. Yeah, you can teach a teacher, but you can't teach him much. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they really have to be open, those teachers. You know, even myself, I have to keep myself open that Walt might say something that I can grasp and blow me open and I can expand. It doesn't matter who it is, but I must remain open because I want to continually expand. That is my goal. It is definitely the place to be, uh, regardless of, of whether you're talking about expansion, just being in the place of learning from somebody else, I think it's a great place to be. I think it's a fabulous position to be in. I mean, I've learned because I'm a teacher that I'm learning how to teach better. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sure. you're not necessarily learning about your own subject. <laughs> right. But yep, you're learning exactly. about other subjects. So we're, we're now about an hour into the program. I want to make sure I remind people who are not yet subscribers, this is the kind of good content you get every single time that one of our episodes comes streaming to your device absolutely free of charge. So make sure you are subscribed. And if you are not and are not sure how to do it, just go to the homepage of our website, loatoday.net, and at the top of the page you will find instructions about one to two clicks, and after that you will be subscribed in all of our shows as we make them five days a week, Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. New York time. We'll come streaming to your device and also check us out on YouTube because that's where we live stream to. You can uh, watch us live if you're available at, at the 4 p.m. New York time time slot. Um, but if you're not, you can always just play the replays. You can actually see what we look like. You can see what Louis looks like with his bridge and his water behind him in the background. It's pretty cool. <laughs> but please do become a subscriber if you're not already. And uh, thank you so much to those of you who have become subscribers. Um, I don't know if I told you, Louie, we are now officially over an average of 500 listeners per episode. Nope, so we're closing in on 600. Are we over we're 500 just, now? We're over 500 now, yeah. yeah. And we're just moving right up there. So thank you, all of you who are subscribers. We really appreciate every one of you. And, uh, Louis, I appreciate you, too. I appreciate your insights. Yeah, so likewise. Interesting insights that you bring to the show. So thank you so much for that. Well, I also wanted questions. to um, just advertise uh, yeah. my course, my LOA. Yeah, please do. My LOA uh, 
course, we've had um, the first one, and it's gone fantastically well. It's only three three sessions. Um, mm-hmm. They last an hour each, um, and they're always on Sundays, so it's generally a day where a lot of people can join. Sure. Um, and the next one's starting on the 16th, so if anybody's keen, please go to OurLifeGPS.com. Um, and, uh, of course, our life GPS are our emotions, so yeah, that's, that's why right. we chose that website. So just go to it, OurLifeGPS.com. Have a look around. We've got um, people who have reviewed the last one they went on. Um, we've got loads of information of the course, etc. So please feel free to browse it and um, join or sign up or ask any questions you want. It would be great. I'd love to hear from you. And say that you heard about it on Hello White today because we want to know that yeah, uh, our listeners are going there, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, how can we know? Well, yeah, we hope that you went. Other than that, we don't really know until you said. So speak up. Yeah, tell, tell, you- tell, tell me that you came from Alloway today because, you know, it's really good to know where your leads came from. Absolutely. So good stuff. Well, thank you very much, Louie. Have a great week. I'll talk yeah, to you. Yeah, you too, Walt. Week. And thank don't you do anything I wouldn't. Uh, well, does that cover anything? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> no restrictions. <laughs> thank you, podcast listeners, as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.